here's what happened. There were a bunch of ninjas, and then about in 1989, they all walked into some uh, quicksand, and then the rest of them tried to they tried to throw them some power lines to pull themselves out, and they were electrocuted. So they're all gone now. What it is, what it do, this is Rambling, your weekly Rams podcast that gives you insight of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from Agora Hills, California. As we head into week 14, the Rams are now 7-5 and five after a big win against the Cardinals. With just four games left, they're preparing to face a very, very, very good Seattle Seahawks at home in the Coliseum. This will be their fifth primetime game this season. Joining me today is one of the hosts of Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Prior to that, he was an executive producer at the Jim Rome Show. This man is more than a pretty face that works in sports. He also a pretty face on the show Days of Our Lives in the Real World. And get this, he was the CCN MVP out of Stevenson High School back in his glory days, and he claims he can destroy you at Tecmo Bowl. Kyle Brandt, welcome to the podcast. I got the air horns, and listen, I, I have a weird resume. It, it took me a long time to get here. Not everybody can just be, you know, some kind of the Sean McVay prodigy. Some of us, you got, you got, you got to go through all kinds of weird stuff before you get to where you want to go. And Serena, I have to tell you, speaking of weird stuff, talking to Peter Schrager this morning, my cohort, and the second I mentioned this podcast, he's like, "Oh, you got to do it. It's fun. They love it. They have a good time there. You like it. You'll fit right in. Like, oh, they love it." So, like, he is very discerning opinion, Peter Schrager. He does. There's a lot of things he does not tolerate. So I've heard. That that this is, you know, never mind Joe Rogan, Bill right. Simmons, pardon my take. It's this one. It's, it's this, this one. the Ramblin' Podcast out of Agora right. Hills. Let's get it. Yeah. Um, besides being a, a promo extraordinaire, you were an actor. You've done a lot of things, weird yeah. things in your life. Um, so really, I, I'm dying to know, is acting harder than football? Because you also played football at Princeton. Um, is there a comparison to like a touchdown in the acting world? Like, is it crying on demand? Like, where... Where do we stand there? That's a, see, okay. The crying on demand thing is fascinating because it's one thing to be an actor, but if you're going to be in, in, in the soaps as, as they are, the stories as they call them in the South, I did three and a half years in days of our lives. And you know, the crying on demand thing, I, I would compare it more to like either throwing the deep out or, you know, uh, running the four, three forty. It's like, you know how they say wow. a quarterback can make all the throws. It's like, can you shed all the tears if you're in soaps? And here's the thing. I can do it a little bit, but I remember I got on set, and this is a true story, and if anybody, even if you don't really know Soaps, you've probably heard of Bo and Hope. They're this power couple who've been on Days of Life for 30 years, and the woman who plays Hope, Christian Alfonso, I remember one of my first uh, times ever on the Days of Her Life set, the director says to her, you know, at the end, we'll go out with you, uh, hopefully, you know, shedding a tear beautifully down your cheek, and then we'll fade to commercial. And she says, and I'm not kidding, she says, do you want the tear to go down my left cheek or my right cheek? And I was like, holy crap, this is some kind of crazy talent I'm dealing with. And all, all I'm going to think about is my dog dying when I was six, and I'm probably going to be squinting a lot. She could drop it left or right. Ambidextrous crier. That's what we're dealing with. I can't even wink my eye. Like, I can't even wink on each eye, right? Like, it's only the right eye. Like, I'm like, I gotcha. And someone's like, there's something wrong with your face. Like, what's happening? That was definitely a Oh, it's really hard. You ever try to cry? Like, whatever it is, it's very difficult. And uh, those people are, are just absolutely, I mean, for them, it's like someone at their their job sending an email or like submitting a report. They're like, "Oh yeah, my uh, my evil twin sister has amnesia and I need to have a cheek down. I cried down my left cheek. No problem. <laughs> Done. One take. I'm out of here. Pay me." Wow. 
That is probably the best thing we've ever it's heard on cool. this podcast. So thank you for that. Um, sure. Going to football. <laughs> Smooth transition. Smooth. <laughs> they teach this good. at Newhouse. I promise. Speaking they t- <laughs> of football. <laughs> I will now. We were speaking of football. <laughs> I have no talent now, comparatively speaking. Um, but seriously, what records show and what teams actually are, right? Like, they're very different. And I'll give a couple examples, and you're familiar okay. with all these things because you cover football for mm-hmm. a living. The Chargers, I think of all of their games, I believe they've lost by one score. All the games they've lost, they've mm-hmm. lost just by one score. The Bills win over the Cowboys, kind of prove that they're they're fighters. The Rams sit at 7-5. and five. I personally think the Rams are easily at 8-4 and four with that one-point loss to the Seahawks last time we faced them. What do you make of this Rams team this season? So you're basically you're saying that the Seahawks lost was like well it was sort of a win. Yeah, I mean, it, totally it was biased close. here so, as I'm the team reporter, but you know who's to say? Who's well, to well, say? I, I mean, I am not a team reporter, but then if if I was someone like that, I, I might retort that well then if the Seahawks would count sort of as a win, does the Ravens one count as three losses or just two? <laughs> <laughs> because all right. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to dump on the Rams here. What I'm saying is, I think this is a fun time of year that we're talking because, you know, it's not week three or week six. Like, you know, we're still kind of figuring ourselves out as teams. We know who everybody is now. Like, I don't care what your record is, where standings, and like, we know the good teams and the bad teams, with very few exceptions. I think there's like maybe two or three exceptions out of the 32 that we still don't know, and I think the Rams are one of them. But it's like. I've been waiting a long time for this engine to really turn over. I don't know if you guys have sat through the Irishman, uh, the, the new movie. <laughs> yes. with Pacino it's, it's three and a half hours and God bless it. I, I love the narrow Pacino Scorsese, just like I love uh, Gurley and Goff and McVeigh, but like I only have so much patience in our time in my life. I mean, it's, it's December right now. And if you don't get it now, we, we got to flip off the Netflix and we got to flip off the NFC. It feels like a playoff game that they're going to be playing against the Seahawks. You're right. Because I paused the, the Irishman twice and did other things and then returned to it the next day. So I'm hoping oh, that yeah. we pause the season and now we are returning to finish it off strong. Um, yeah, and what is like, uh, Serena, what's a, what's a more Irish name than McVeigh? I mean, it's right there all in front of us. That's your Irishman. I love that. <laughs> um, while the Rams offense has obviously gone through its ups and downs due to injury, we've seen spurts, right, of this glorious offensive situation with both the run and the passing game so like all right solve it to me here with McVeigh like where are we what is the consistency lack here because I you know you look at it on paper and you're like okay this is a dinged up O-line and then you've had like Whitworth holding it down as both a player and a coach and trying to get everything together in time for game day and then we had three injuries to our O-line in one day so you know I don't know is there like hey here's the solution to solving I mean McVeigh joked. He's like, yeah, I'm an idiot for not running, you know, the ball more. But I'm sure it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, he, he can't remember that they ran a, a draw play on second and six when he was four years old playing peewee football. But he's an idiot. Sure, he's a, <laughs> um, Here's the thing. I like why you're saying this because I think as someone who's who is a Rams supporter or whether you're a Rams apologist or whatever it is, it's really 
annoying to have the answer be the offensive line because nobody wants to hear that. It's not sexy. It doesn't have any legs. It won't get likes and retweets. And it's just like, well, yeah, blah, 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 the offensive line. If you're doing a podcast or, if, in my case, doing a TV show and you come on and say, well, the Rams just have had old line issues, it immediately has no sizzle at all. You know, the, the Chiefs losing – Pat Mahomes, okay, we get it. We understand. The Saints, Drew Brees, with Teddy Bridgewater, all right, they got things going on here. But, like, for the average fan and someone who's maybe not a Rams fan but follows them as part of the larger NFL story, they don't know or care the left guard situation or the center situation. So it's not that real satisfying answer and people say blah, blah, blah. And yet – if you do watch the Rams and if you've watched them a lot, it's obvious that they do have issues there and that Jared Goff is not just regressed and that all of a sudden the receivers aren't there. But it's, that's the problem is that it's like a lame excuse that I would give my wife for why I got home. And she's like, I need something better than the offensive line. But sometimes that's just the truth, Serena. Right. Fill in the blank. You're a former running back. Todd Gurley yeah. is. Todd Gurley is um, still on a bike in New Orleans. And okay. I, I hate that I say that, but like, I've never seen something like that ever. That was a really strange thing that I know was nine months ago and everything, but I, I feel like in a lot of ways, he still never got off that bike. And a lot of people want to say, well, they've been saving them or just they're going to, you know, NBA hashtag load management and they're going to unleash them. I can't really buy the they're going to unleash the Todd Gurley and down the stretch Mariana Rivera style because I would have thought if that was the plan, there was a sort of break glass in case of emergency phase back around week four when the Rams lost three games in a row when they said, well, screw it, we need Todd now. I just feel like as I'm watching them just battle to the death with the Saints in the Superdome and their best player was on an exercise bike and C.J. Anderson was doing his thing, don't get me wrong, it just really was one of those iconic moments for me where I'm like, I'm never going to forget that. And I root for Todd because I think he's a good dude and I like his attitude and I like the way he runs, but in a lot of ways, I feel like Todd Gurley is still on that bike. Yeah. And and so I feel like there's often times where you see Todd Gurley being utilized, especially in the red zone. It's like he, he's capable of making that last little push to at least score yeah. a touchdown. But you're not seeing are, are, what, what about Malcolm Brown or, or Daryl Henderson? I like those guys, too. And yeah. I, I know they drafted them for a reason. And, you know, there was something we were talking about with Gurley that we did a side-by-side -side on our show in the morning where um, we grabbed a couple of touchdowns that he scored last year in 2018. And he scored, and he threw the ball up in the air, and he was kind of doing a little dance. And he just looked so happy and so free and so loose. And then we pulled up a touchdown from, I think it was about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, and he scored, and he just kind of was sort of shaking his head and kind of ornery, and guys are patting him on the back, but it was just, it's, it spoke volumes to me about his body language, that maybe he wasn't joyous, or he didn't feel good, and he didn't, wasn't feeling like himself, when, unlike 2018, when everything was just fish in a barrel. So I feel like he really wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's a big body language guy, and it hasn't been great, and yet... Over the past few weeks, I feel like it's starting to come back a little bit. Yeah, and he's he's been at least vocal about thanking his O-line, which is, again, the, yeah. as you say, the unsexy way of explaining why things are and things aren't happening. But he's someone that's like, man, thank you, Austin Corbett, who we just picked up during the Jalen Ramsey trade from Cleveland. Yeah. And he's like, thank you, Austin Corbett. I'm like, yeah. 
Who's Austin we Corbett? Love you, no Austin. one knows who Austin Corbett is, but Todd Gurley no. sure appreciates him. Um, in your best Wall Streeter's voice, can you explain to me how this Seahawks Rams game is going to play out in Sunday night? Hi. <laughs> yeah, take that deep breath. Oh, the Seahawks have got everything going. They got money. They got Pete Carroll. He talks really fast. He talks just like this. He chews gum. Russell Wilson is MVP. Jared Goff was incredible last week. They had Norman Brock on alert because he was going to break the one-game season record for passing yards. But I still think Seattle's going to win it because Seattle, I think, is the best team. Woo! <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't do that very much. I'm going to have a coronary. I'm not a young man anymore. I'm now 40 years old. And especially when you drop it on me like that, and yeah. my alter ego, Trent, the Wall Street trader, just comes out like a werewolf. Did you cry? Right, Did you cry from your left side or your right yeah, side? Yeah, my watch just told me that I need to <laughs> Oh, I, 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 could, I was doing both. Yes, I think it was other orifice, too. I, that, that thing is very difficult on me physically, that segment. We, only, we can only do it every month or so. That makes sense. Um, some other news from around the NFL. Uh, Ron Rivera this week was fired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I think yeah. he is generally... Uh, liked in the league but as we've seen in the past few years the trend is going get the young head coach so where do you see guys like Rivera end up if I was representing Ron Rivera if I was uh, taking 10% of his income (laughs) uh, and someone was sitting down with me at his prospective job and they said well you know we we really like these little uh, McVeigh clones and we love McVeigh and we love LeFleur and we love Kingsbury I would say, okay, those guys are fine, but um, I would point to Andy Reid and I would point to John Harbaugh, two guys who have been through the battles for years and years and years and have found a way to stay sexy, to stay young. And I don't mean like a a gold chain and a Corvette and just for men and their sideburns. I mean like they're like, I'm going to get a new quarterback, I'm going to get young coordinators, and I can do this thing. And look at where they are right now. Chiefs and Ravens, they don't have young, cool head coaches who are all about analytics and all about offense, offense, offense. They can't remember what play they ran in the third snap of the fifth series of 2002 like McVay, but they know what play they're going to run next. And it's going to be Lamar Jackson up the middle and Mahomes deep. So there is definitely a place for Ron Rivera. Um, and I got thoughts. I think two places that I listen, who knows what the people teams will do with their coaches, but I think he, completely fits with the New York Giants when and if they decide to let go of Pat Shermer because he's old-fashioned, he's proud, he's a great company man who will represent the company well. And then, listen, I think the Cleveland thing is a total mess. I think they should make a move. And I think I can't think of anything better than instilling some of Ron Rivera's sort of military-type discipline and family atmosphere into, like, that bunch of rock stars in Cleveland. That's where I would put them, one of those two places. All right, so you say the Giants, speaking of, the Giants quarterback, yep. Daniel Jones, he's out for Monday Night Football against the Eagles. So good old Eli Manning is planning to be mm-hmm. the starter. According to my buddy, Field Yates, Eli Manning's career record as a starter is 116 or 116. How mm-hmm. excited are you to see Eli Manning start Monday Night Football? It's so funny because I got a jolt when I saw the news. I really did. <laughs> I, thought, oh, this, I said, this is awesome. And it's, you know, obviously Field Yates is nails on the record, 116 and 116. But isn't it interesting that, like, that does get brought up. And I've heard the 116-116 thing. So, if Eli just plays this one game and let's say Daniel Jones returns, that means that this record of Eli is going to be talked about for the next 50 years of his life. Absolutely. So it's like, which column do you want to be 117? In a way, it feels sort of like a life playoff game for Eli. Like, there's sort of stakes here because if he loses this game, 
and then never starts another one, which is very possible for the next 50 years, including when he's up for Hall of Fame debates. Exactly. Someone could easily say sub 500 quarterback, sub 500 quarterback. That's it. He, he had lost more games than he won. So I know he's won the couple of Super Bowls and you can't talk about Eli without mentioning it. This feels like in an odd roundabout way, like a really high stakes game for Eli. It totally is. And I'm I'm do you think I've, I got to imagine Eli thinks that, too. With his big yes. helmet over and his head. And you know head. what? I have a prediction, and it's just this, this is the way it's going to go. I think when Eli retires, his final record, and this would be so Eli it hurts, is going to be 116, 116, and 1. I think he's going to tie this weekend against the Eagles. That's it. He's going to tie. I'm calling it right now. 9 to 9, Eagles, Eagles, Giants. It's honestly brilliant. Serena, thank you. We'll see you. <laughs> Love it. Synchronize your watches, boys. It's time for Serena's social segment. We found right. that noise on the internet. Yeah, that's from not a popular sketch. Um, so, Kyle, you retweeted yeah. some images of Jack Nicholson living his best life. Eating oh, my pizza, God, yeah. Smoking cigs, floating in the ocean. Yep. Uh, yep. You also tweeted, I don't give a damn how old I get. I'm always <laughs> going to get a thrill from bringing a beer into the shower. I'll high five you on that. High five. Yep. <laughs> um, we'll switch it up. What is there a last? What's the last meal that you took into the bathtub? Slash, is there a perfect meal for the tub? Ooh. First of all, I don't know. You guys had Borat sound drops on this yeah. show, and now I respect it even more. Now you know why Shrigs um, had it. He was like, oh, I get this. <laughs> Oh, that's it. Uh, I think I think every meal. First of all, I I don't. I'm a 40 year old man. I don't take baths. I'm not a serial killer. I mean, who, who the hell takes baths? What, what am I? Maybe I don't a hot understand tub. That. Let me get this straight. I'm 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 dirty. My my body has sweat and or soil or whatever on it. I'm going to get in a body of water, a small one. It's going to come off my body, said soil and dirt. Then I'm going to sit in it for a while and then get out and yes. then then towel off. Like I've been sitting in the mud the whole time. Why why am I clean? It's I'm ridiculous. all about that. I know exact. I don't take baths either because I'm like you literally said before the show. Everybody takes baths. No, I said. Oh, well, I'm thinking of like the football players who put oh, gotcha. Epsom salt in the well, bath, yes, but. but- um, but we can offer this as a hot tub situation. Like, do you uh, eat, yeah, do you okay, have to have okay. sushi because you're in water? Like, is it a fish only type of like, Oh, that's meal? interesting. <laughs> yeah, or you could go with something like amphibious that like is both in and out. I don't, I don't know what that'd be, frog. No, listen, the only the only uh, calories I ingest in the bathtub or or the, the, the jacuzzi are liquid calories. Like, I, I mean, I'm talking about like a Cabernet or yeah. Champagne or anything. I, I don't know if you guys talk to people who have like, I don't know, like a, a, a club sandwich with them in the bath, but I don't. No, the only, if I'm in a bath, first of all, I'm drinking hemlock so I can end my life. But in a jacuzzi, I will do uh, wine or champagne or something like that. Okay, smooth. Much more relaxing. Uh, I mean, come on, because I better not be by myself in that jacuzzi. Like, there, it must be with my wife. Right. Well, yes, we'll, we'll have an inebriant, then we'll have a knife. All right. <laughs> another another situation involving meals. What about Great. dine-in movie theaters and getting a full meal during a movie? Yes or no? I've done it. I, I've full on gotten, like, I, yeah, I've been sitting there watching, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, like uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp while I just bury chicken Parmesan. <laughs> wow. Wow. Fork and knife. Listen, I, yeah, I, I, I fork and knife. Yeah, never, not not even like chicken strips. Like I'm a, like I have a full on, I, I, might, I might as well have a lobster bib on while I'm watching this movie. Um, 
Yes, I uh, I have done it before. They, here's the thing. The games changed. You know, when I was a lad, I would go to the movie theater and I would get the milk duds and the popcorn, you know, and whatever it is. Now it's like they've got these crazy um, souped up movie theaters that are they encourage you. They have a full menu. It's everything short of a, a foie gras while you watch, uh, you know, the, the Avengers movie. So, yes, I, I sat there. I did a win in Rome thing. I sat right next to my wife and I ordered a chicken parm and a big old glass of wine again and then the craziest thing is because I'm a fiend I had popcorn for dessert oh, and uh, it was one of the best movie experiences I've had I'm not apologizing for anything you guys oh, there you go <laughs> uh, okay so it is International Ninja Day Obvi of course and I don't know about you but growing up I thought ninjas were going to be a much more prevalent occupation in society yeah. mm-hmm. where sure. are all the ninjas where did they, they go good? Kyle <sighs> it's a great question they're that good I, I think they just ninja their way things, out a couple things were hot in the 80s you know um there was a lot of ninja talk in the 80s for me. There was a lot of talk about quicksand. Oh like, my I thought gosh, quicksand we just talked was about gonna, this. You did? Like, yes. I thought that was going to be it's everywhere. I thought quicksand was going to be a big part of my life, and it was really terrifying. And then the other thing, there were a lot of PSAs about this and a lot of uh, education. To my life, I have never encountered um, uh, power lines down in front of me, but I was told as a kid to stay away from them. And there's <laughs> so, always a puddle. There's always a puddle. A puddle. A, yeah. <laughs> So I have the answer for you. Here's what happened. There were a bunch of ninjas, and then about in 1989, they all walked into some uh, quicksand, and then the rest of them, tried to, they tried to throw them some power lines to pull themselves out, and they were electrocuted. So they're all gone now. All the ninjas that's, are gone. That's it. That's, that's why we have International Ninja Day, just yeah, to keep them. Right. R.I.P., bro. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, the quicksand thing, I was always like, oh, my gosh. I grew up in New York. I'm like, I hope I don't walk into quicksand today. Like, where where are you finding Yeah, and it was a wrap. Like, if you walked into it, like, you were going to sink and die. Like, the horse in Never Ending Story or in The Princess Bride, you're dead. So I thought it was going to be on every corner. And it's gone now. It's gone. It's uh, quicksand, ninjas, power lines, and uh, saxophone solos and pop songs. They're yes. all gone, and they were big in the 80s. Was there anything else that you thought from your childhood that you haven't encountered like you thought? Like, for me, I re- like the boogeyman also never showed up. Mm-hmm. And um, I, as a child, I used to keep my eyes open when I slept because I was like, listen, sure. this guy's not showing up when I keep my eyes open. And so I'm just going to sleep with my eye open. And then, you know, you're a five-year-old Serena in her room and your dad comes in to check on you. And he's like, whoa, why is my five-year-old daughter's eye open? Yeah, she's got a twitch or something. I'm like, dude, no boogeyman. things about you now. Yeah, like now I'm alive. Was the boogeyman under the bed or in the closet or whatever? We don't know. He never Mm. showed up because I outsmarted him. But now he's not even around. Like now I pass out so hard and... Ain't no boogeyman. He's never shown up. Mm-hmm. So he probably also quicksanded. Quicksand. Quicksanded? Yeah, I, I had a similar experience. We, we didn't have cable uh, when, when I was a kid, and, and yet I had the one friend who had cable. And um, we stayed up late, sleep over one night, and I watched it in what I think it was like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, The Dream Warriors. And so I had a real hard time with Freddy Krueger and the knife hands for a while. And oh, yeah. then I'm even more terrifying. I watched... Uh, Chucky from Child's Play, and that really messed with me because my sisters had a lot of dolls, and I just were positive that one of them was going to slash my throat the second I went to bed. So thankfully, I never showed up either. That's yeah, good. I'm Freddy glad. was my first horror movie, Thank you. and I slept on the floor in my parents' room after that. for The like, floor? Because he wouldn't see Yeah, you? man. I was like, one, two, Freddy's yeah. coming for yeah, you, no, and I, was, I just was wetting I was myself. Somebody around, but... Not happening. Yeah. 
Um, if there was no Chucky, no quicksand, no ninjas, mm-hmm. if not for football, Kyle, what would you be doing? No, if football didn't exist, what do you do with your life? Oh man. All right. Well, it got, you know, I did the soap opera for a while and then like all soap opera actors, I left the show on my own accord because I was positive I was going to become, you know, Matt Damon and Denzel Washington, all Happy. those people they tell you, you know, used to be on soap. So left and then like two years later, I still hadn't gotten a job and I was running out of money and I had very few options at that point. Um, one of the options is to go kind of where towards where you guys are in the Valley. And uh, there's the adult industry there, which I was mm. not going to do. Yeah. And, um, thankfully then football came back into my life. So what the hell would I be doing? Um, <laughs> welcome to the Valley. Christ, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I'd be, I'd be a, an influencer and try to pose with, uh, the right kind of uh, deodorant on Instagram and hopefully get 50 bucks for it. I don't know what I'd be doing. Football saved my life guys. Let's get serious. This is a very special episode of the podcast. Uh, I don't know what I'd be doing. I was actually, Seriously, I was, I'm not making a joke. I was uh, 27, uh, unemployed, like running out of money. And then uh, Jim Romy emailed me kind of out of nowhere and uh, got me back into the game. And running back into football after playing in college was like seeing an old girlfriend at the grocery store. And be like, oh, yeah, we had a thing. Like, let's get back together. And then we've been together since. Did Jim Rome watch Days of Our Lives? Like, did he go, you know what? I haven't seen you on the show. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, no, like with his goatee, he should be on Days of Our Lives for sure. But um, no, I don't think he was familiar with it. I was always, I, I think that actually has something to do with him hiring me, the fact that he hadn't watched it. <laughs> because if he had, I don't think I would have gotten a job. There, there were some dicey scenes I did. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm appreciating that football is in our lives so that you are employed and not in quicksand. That's it. That's our 18th episode of Rambling. Kyle, I appreciate you coming on the pod. Don't forget, for those looking for all things Rams, make sure you check out the other team podcast, Rams Reveal with J.B. Long. He caught up with Rams linebacker Dante Fowler earlier this week.